the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the final hour of the Tuesday show. We're now on the back half of January of 2024. Already lots going on since last we spoke with our VIP guest on the line right now. His name is David Williams. He is the chair of the state GOP. Sir, thanks for making time for us this morning. Yeah, yeah, you bet. I apologize for not being on sooner, but thanks for working with me. Now, listen, you had indicated that this was a, a, a big meeting that ran long, which always happens, and I get all that stuff. Fundraising stuff, it's a great way to start. Can you give us the final numbers from 2023 about how we did at the party? Yeah, I, I can't. I don't have them in front of me, so I apologize. But we had well over about well over $800,000 in receipts. Whoa. Uh, meaning, yeah, meaning money that came in, and we ended the year with nearly six hundred thousand dollars cash in the bank. We've since spent a portion of that money in investing in long-term projects that should yield more donations and a, a bigger list of folks that we can engage in twenty twenty-four for victory. Now, you would have thought I would remember what the heck the number was we were talking about over the months leading up to the end of the year. What was the goal that we had, and did we hit it? We we did. I um, I I was expressing about half a million dollars. I thought we would do well. We really wanted to get to seven fifty, and we did consequently. But it looks like uh, we're on track to you know continue on a, a successful twenty twenty four fundraising cycle. How much of that came in after um, the Supreme Court took Donald Trump off the ballot? Um, I mean, we did get a bump, but it wasn't was nowhere near the lion's share of it. I'd say, if I had to guess, we brought in probably forty thousand dollars within that that uh, week or two week period right before Christmas when that ruling came in. So bottom line is we the, the state party hit about 600,000 bucks cash on hand uh, at the end of 2023. Yep. Yep. That's great. That's great. What do we need to get us through this next election cycle? What's the goal? Well, I mean, as much as we can, quite frankly, but you know, if I were to put a number on it, we we should be trying to get to about 2 million total for the cycle. So probably another million million two that would really put us in a position to, to make some gains. Um, when you look at the results yesterday out of Iowa, any thoughts, any takeaways? Does it have any impact at all on Colorado? Um, I, I mean, I think the clear takeaway is, is what I think everyone expected already, that Donald Trump is the inevitable nominee that uh, it's a matter of just kind of getting through these early states before the other candidates, you know, begin to, you know, realize that or face that reality. We I just saw the news that Asa Hutchinson has, has suspended his campaign. Vivek Ramaswamy suspended his last night. Um, 
I think that brings it down to just Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley that's left. And, you know, if the polls are correct, Trump's going to win New Hampshire and South Carolina, and I'm not sure what path to victory uh, the remaining two are going to have. Uh, let's talk about that, and we'll combine it with the fundraising. You had done something novel, and that was to ask of the candidates. And, and novel in that, I don't recall it happening, but it sounds like when we talked before, you said, yes, it had just been lower numbers, but had said, hey, to the presidential candidates, if you want access to the primary ballot, um, we want a certain contribution. And the contribution, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, was based on whether they intended to show up in Colorado at the assembly or, or some, what am I missing? There was some breakdown as to some could pay 20, some could pay 40. What was that? Yeah, you bet. Uh, so this is in part based on whether state parties across the country have done. Um, if you were a presidential candidate and you wanted to obtain ballot access through Colorado, uh, you had to have in a way to demonstrate viability and seriousness. You'd have to have a $20,000 uh, investment minimum and a promise that you would come out here and campaign prior to Super Tuesday. Or you could bypass it all and pay a higher fee of $40,000. Um, and the, the theory behind this is that if you can't fundraise 20 to 40 grand uh, to come and compete in our state, you probably have no business running for president, number one. And number two, um, we didn't want to clutter the ballot with folks that shouldn't be on the ballot. There were a number of individual candidates uh, who really shouldn't be candidates who tried to access our ballot, and uh, we told them, no, you, you can't come unless you meet these minimum requirements. And uh, that's for the better. Now, I asked that in the context of what took place Sunday. We had talked about an effort by some in the state central committee to offer I don't know if it was by petition or however you do it, but offer a vote to decide whether or not the state party should endorse President Trump in advance of the actual primary that these other candidates paid money to be on the ballot for. And that turnout was you can tell me what percentage of the state central committee showed up, but it looked like based on the reporting, it was about two thirds, one third in favor of endorsing President Trump. How was the attendance for that? Um, well, we got to, I got to look at the, uh, the final numbers and we're still kind of working through that, but it looks like we had about 245, 250, somewhere in that ballpark that attended the actual meeting. And then a little less than that, uh, who ended up voting. So, uh, you know, so the total I- number of the central committee is about 400 and, and some change. And so you had about 245, 250 that actually attended. So let's say 245, 250, I'm horrible with the math stuff, but it sounds like about 160 to 170 votes to in, endorse Trump in advance of the, the March primary. Yeah, I think the the number we reported as the preliminary result is about 155. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Um, in light of that, if if you're Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, it, it would it be fair or unfair for them to come back to the party and say, can you pretty please refund the money that I gave to be on the ballot since the party has come out and said it's already got its preferred candidate? I mean, they can certainly come back and request whatever they want. In fact, we had uh, Governor Burgum, a representative from his campaign, request that it be refunded when he suspended his campaign a couple months ago. And we and we 
you know, told them, hey, this was always a non-refundable uh, filing fee, and there's no difference in this case, too. Um, those fees were for ballot access, and they were granted ballot access. I get that. I, when it comes to the Bergam thing, I get you. Because, right, we don't know how successful or unsuccessful a dude's going to be, but he, I get that part of it. But if you're DeSantis and Haley, is it fair for them to say, well, wait a minute, I definitely wanted to be on the ballot when I thought I had an unobstructed view of what it looked like. But now after you took my money, the state party that took my money has now come out and said, we choose Donald Trump. And doesn't that change the dynamic enough that maybe you would not that they would ask you, Dave, I'm just asking, would they would you give them a different hearing than you would Doug Burgum, who just said, hey, I didn't do well, so I want my money back? Well, I mean, the, the, in, the, in the party's estimation, those two issues aren't linked. Uh, the, the fees that were paid were never meant to be a bribe for our support or, or our neutrality or anything like that. They were for ballot access. Well, well, you, but but you'd agree, you, the expectation would be neutrality. It wouldn't be they're bribing you for neutrality. It would be the expectation is the party doesn't play in primaries. And I was going to ask yeah, you about but, that, too, but... That would be their argument is, whoa, 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 I, I didn't think we were going to run away with this or even beat Trump, but, but please, man, you took my money and then turned around and said, we like someone else. <laughs> well, the, again, the ex, if the expectation was neutrality, it certainly wasn't linked to whether or not they would pay for ballot access. I know, I know that there's an attempt by our critics to try and link the two issues together, but they wanted ballot access, and they got it. Do you think that had you come out in advance of taking their checks that they would have said, that's okay, I still want to be on the ballot? Here's my money. I, I'm i not sure what, what they would have done. I assume that at the time they wanted to obtain ballot access and the deadline was December 11th, that they would have done that regardless of what would have happened if they were serious presidential contenders. Would you? Like, would, would you write I, a check to I, be on a, a yeah to write a, to be on a ballot where you already know you're unlikely to probably beat Trump on this thing, but where the person who is assembling the people to be on the ballot says we're actually going to use our our official imprimatur to endorse a different candidate? I mean, if I was running for president and I wanted to win delegates and the votes of the people, I'd I'd do it regardless of what the party um, what the party was going to do with respect to their support or opposition. In terms of the the endorsement, how did you vote on that? I ultimately voted yes on that endorsement. It, talk about that, if you would, for us. And I realize that carried the day. I mean, that was two-thirds of the voters. That's a ton. But talk about the decision to, to make the party active instead of agnostic in a primary. Yeah. You know, first and foremost, I want to let your listeners know that I was asked by the petitioners to unilaterally call the meeting um i told them no that i wasn't i wasn't going to do that uh, and then they took it upon themselves to go get the necessary 25 percent uh to call the meeting and require that it be held and they did you know to their credit they got the support that they needed and the meeting had to be scheduled and called and so we had it uh through the course of you know the discussion it became clear to me and certainly the majority of folks who voted, uh, that Donald Trump was the inevitable nominee, uh, number one. And number two, I think what is uh, something to consider, at least that's what I considered and others had considered, was the unfair you know, treatment that the man had been receiving 
from his political rivals and opponents, whether it's the weaponization of the Department of Justice or the attempt by dark money groups to throw him off the ballot. This guy really, really uh, is is laid it all on the line uh, to try and do some good for America. And he's getting constantly attacked, uh, you know, by those who don't want to give up power. I think that's certainly colored uh, the opinion of the majority. And at the end of the day, it made sense that, hey, you know, we really need to focus our attack on the true enemies of our democracy. And that's Joe Biden and his lapdog Democrat. Was the, what was the urgency to do it now in advance of seven weeks from now when the party would have likely had the same outcome through the, through the primary? Well, I mean, you'd have to ask the petition organizers. They're the ones that... Well, but you know, for you, but I, for you, why the haste? Well, if we were going to have a vote, I'm, you know, I decided to vote with the majority on this one, and and that's that. I don't, you know, I didn't put any thought into the timing of it. I had to, I had to put it together. I, the meeting had to be called once those signatures were given. So, I, if I had, to, if I had to speculate why the petitioners wanted to do it sooner rather than later, it was. I think clear to everyone on that call that their argument was we have an eventual nominee. We need to unite behind this nominee um, and, you know, put, put our resources and time, energy and talents behind the guy that's going to square off against Joe Biden sooner rather than later. Should we cancel the primary? Uh, That depends. If the United States Supreme court doesn't give us a ruling that's favorable uh, we will cancel at least our participation with it uh, and go. But to why not do it now? Having endorsed, why not cancel the primary, your participation in the primary now? Well, because people still have a right to vote. They can ignore but, our they can ignore our opinion and go with their own. If that's the case, does the state entertain the idea of weighing in on other Republican primaries? Well, generally, no, right? The pre-primary neutrality uh, rule that was in place does not apply to presidential contests. And that was a part of the discussion and the debate. But when you look at the written and just the written policy and the past practices of the party, it's it's been allowed. Officers, whether they're state, uh, local, or county, have been permitted to endorse and support presidential candidates because of our unique nominating system we have in Colorado. And then number two, in 2020, then uh, current President Donald Trump uh, was supported and and endorsed and helped by state party, local party, county party officials to the point where they were even spending money and resources, even though he technically had a contested primary against five different candidates. So it, it never... I get that part. He, he was the incumbent, though. That's a little bit different. I mean, he was the incumbent office holder, but, and the Republican is, Party is committed to the incumbents, typically. But this, but this is, I think, a sticking point that the that the minority and the critics of this move can't really answer, because when they're telling the majority, "Hey, you have to have a strict adherence to this policy that we're reading," um, then you can't have it both ways. It was either it was improper at the time, or it wasn't. 
So, yeah, but isn't the distinction, though, that the Republican Party exists to maintain Republican officials in office and to help them get elected? And he was the incumbent. I mean, it would have been bizarre for the Republican Party to have come out and endorsed somebody against Trump or worked against Trump. And my guess is, had that happened, you and others and me included would have said, that's that's crap, man. You can't work against the incumbent Republican president. The mere fact that they came out and supported the incumbent, though, that's very different than an open seat, isn't it? Well, I, I think it would have made for a bad policy decision, but whether or not it's against the rules is a different debate. You know, and that and should it be should it be against the rules? Um, well, I mean, it doesn't make sense if it is against the rules. I mean, there could be a little bit better uh clear policy in place. But if it's against the rules, that that would disqualify half the Central Committee from actually being able to run and represent Colorado at the national convention. You have to pledge your support to one of these candidates publicly. And if pre-primary neutrality applied to presidential contests, those people wouldn't be able to serve, you know, Colorado and Milwaukee in 2024 or wherever else they're going to have it in the future. Maybe that's a good thing. I mean, maybe the the part of the party that matters is being able to credibly say we're here to advance the cause of Republicans, not a single Republican that we pick in an open seat. Maybe that's the right move. I'm just asking. I don't know what you think about that. Well, I mean, perhaps, perhaps. I mean, I tend to think that if you're, you know, you're volunteering your time as a party officer, um, that you should be allowed to compete to represent your state, even at the national level. Um, but it's ultimately a decision of the Central Committee. I mean, the Central Committee is legally and ethically allowed to interpret its own bylaws. And had the motion failed on Sunday, I think that would have sent a clear message to the world that, yeah, neutrality applies to the presidential contest. And I I get all that stuff about um, demurring and saying that's the state central committee, but you're the leader of the party, man. I mean, undeniably, you are in charge of the state GOP apparatus. Um, So getting your opinions on these things matters, I think, because you carry a great deal of sway with these folks. That's why when you weigh in and say, hey, I'm in favor of of endorsing Trump, that I might I imagine that carries a lot of weight with some of the voters. So that's why I ask is, yes, state central committee. Sure, they can rule the day, but your influence matters. So. I get the the presidential piece now. You're saying that's unique. That's different. We have this unique system. Would the state party be in a position to weigh in on a Republican primary for any other race, Congress, commissioner, state senator, anything like that? Not not in the same manner. Again, I back in September. Is that because the, the rules are different for other races? Like the rules are different for for weighing in as a presidential candidate versus some other race? Yeah, the Central Committee has stated that, generally speaking, the party will remain neutral, except for in a certain circumstance. And this this kind of goes back to Joe O'Day. Um, a lot of the Central Committee members were upset that Joe O'Day and others, not just Joe, but others would petition onto the ballot and snub the state assembly. And I think what really exasperated that was Joe's support for codifying Roe versus Wade, but the primary voters didn't know that until after the fact. And that would have come out, I think the theory goes, that would have come out through the assembly process that people go through. So there's a there's a uh, distinction in our primary neutrality rules that says if one candidate goes through the assembly 
and all the other candidates go through the petition process, then the state party is freed to support the candidates that went through the assembly process. In any race? Yeah, in any race. Correct. Is it possible then that, I don't know what these other folks are going to do, but in CD5, in the race that you're in, I think Gardner's in, Crank is in, there's still an open question as to who else might, might jump in that race. If you were the only person to go through the assembly for CD5, could the party that you had also come out and endorse you for that seat? If, if the executive committee or the state central committee wanted to do it, yeah, they could, according to the rules. And are you excluded from that vote or participation in that? I mean, I would. You know, I would recuse But the myself. rules don't require oh. it. No, they don't require it, but I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't chair such a meeting, nor would I vote in it. So. Would you... Would you accept or pursue or, or encourage the party to come out and endorse you in that circumstance? I wouldn't pursue or expect or anything of that nature. Um, if the party wanted to endorse me, I'm not going to say no. I mean, when you run a campaign. Why not? Why wouldn't you do that? And I say no, that only yeah. because of your unique position, not because I, I don't expect that from anyone else. I'm just saying you're the dude that's the head of all these things. Sure. I don't know of any candidate that would turn down any support. And if you did, then you're probably not doing a good job at being a candidate. Yeah, but my guess is, too, Dave, respectfully, they'd respond and say, I don't know any candidate who would also maintain their position as the head of the state party and run for Congress at the same time when that state party nomination uh, or endorsement could impact the nomination. That's unique. That's different. It's not unique in that Ken Buck did it and the state central committee allowed. Well, Ken was an incumbent. That's different. But again, you can't have – again, people – critics can't have it both ways, right? You can't say we have to have a strict interpretation of these rules, but then when it doesn't uh, go with uh, an example like Ken Buck, then somehow dismiss it. Well, he was an incumbent. No, it's neutrality is neutrality or it's not. So Ken Buck – the Central Committee weighed in on this. Ken Buck had the – I know he didn't – he ended up not having the primary opponent, but the Central Committee understood that he could potentially have a primary opponent. And they thought that it was not a disqualifying factor, and they let him let him be chair. Uh huh. Yeah, I get it. And the, but the party didn't come out and endorse Ken in, in, prior to the primary. No, but again, there's been a rule change since September 30th of 2023. Um, I get it. And these are all things that people are going to continue to debate and wonder about. Have you kept tabs on our voter registration numbers? for Republicans to determine how we're doing? Uh, I get reports uh, every so often, but I don't have them off the top of my head. Any idea how we're doing without specific numbers, but relative to the Dems or relative to the past or, or relative to, do we have a certain goal? Like, hey, we're trying to hit this number within a certain period of time? Well, voter registration is certainly something that we're going to continue to work on. Uh, prior to taking over, there really wasn't me taking over there really wasn't an operation in place and we're working on that since then uh i think what you're seeing right now are a number of voters leaving both political parties in order to become unaffiliated part of that's automatic voter registration so you're defaulted in to unaffiliated but there are people who are leaving both political parties because trust in in the system and our institutions is an all-time low um the only way we're going to overcome that is if we you know, start addressing the issues and the needs that the voters demand.
Um, uh, looking forward to having you on again, man, because I'm hopeful then we'll have some greater news on 2024's uh, fundraising efforts. And then if you have the ability, in fact, we could even have that person on, whoever it is that's in charge of that registration effort. I'd love to chat with them about what we're doing, but also the numbers. And if there's some magical number that we're targeting that we think puts us at an advantage, whether it's in any of the CD races or, or whatever it is, it would be great to have them on as well. Sure. Sure. Uh, no problem. Final question on the candidate. Uh, someone just texted in candidate recruitment question mark. I guess that's the question. Uh, what are we doing on candidate recruitment? We're working with uh, county officers to try and identify uh, key candidates and, and key uh, swing districts that we've identified. Um, truth be told, it's a little tough. A lot of people don't want to put themselves through the grinder, and they certainly don't like what they're seeing at the Capitol. When you have Democrats who are resigning when they're in power, then yeah, you know— a lot of them. A lot of them. Right. So it's it's a bit of a challenge to, to ask a Republican to get in there— when Democrats are quitting their own party uh, position. So we're working on it, but we'll, we're confident we'll have um, those races populated. One of the answers to that vacancy committee thing has been, I think it will be a Kent Theory funded series of ballot efforts. You may have already heard about this, Dave, but I think one targets the primaries, one targets that crazy ranked choice voting, but the other one, chart, uh, I think, targets vacancy committee things. Have you seen any drafts of those, and have you guys formulated a position yet on those? We haven't seen any drafts on uh, at least any legislation for this session concerning vacancy committees and whether or not to do away with them. Um, I think, like in so many other issues in life, there's trade-offs, right? The trade-off to having a vacancy is that the taxpayers are not burdened with uh, having to, you know, have have special elections for state legislative races. But the other side of the coin is true, that it's a small group of people. You get Tim Hernandez. That's the other side. Yeah, <laughs> You get terrorist you Timmy Hernandez. You do, but there, are, you know, for every Tim Hernandez, there are good people who have come through a vacancy committee, like uh, Perry Will. He's a state senator out west. You had Bob Rankin, longtime House Republican. Oh, Bob's who a good became, dude. Yeah. I know Bob. Became a senator. I mean, there's there are a lot of good people that have come through the vacancy committee. It's just a question of what people people want. I mean, a state legislative seat, it's important, but it does it rise to the level of a special election like you would see a congressional seat or something like that, and. And at this point, we don't have a position, but I, I would I would caution folks and say just because Tim Hernandez is a bad example of it doesn't mean that we should necessarily get rid of it without fully thinking through what, what the consequences are. Dave Williams, busy as always, uh, keeping that state party moving forward. Thank you for taking time out of your morning to chat with us as always. Looking forward to the next conversation. You bet, George. Take care. Thanks, sir. That's Dave Williams. He's the uh, chair of the state party for the GOP. Love to get your reaction when we come back. 303-696-1971. Lots of texts coming in. We'll read some of those things. Um, lots of information out there. Lots of questions to be asked. I was really particularly interested in the idea of the state party moving away from agnosticism and what were the reasons that would justify that. And do you agree with the idea that, hey, if the state party can allow something for an incumbent, it's got to be able to allow it in an open seat? I don't know. I'm not I'm not a wizard on these things, but I'm interested in having that conversation. Where's the state party going? Are you hearing good things? I love the idea that there's 600,000 plus bucks in the bank. 
303-696-1971. I got to tell you about advanced hair restoration. And the reason for that isn't just because Dr. Tanya Pauls is super smart and has figured out a way to do something great for men who are going through that change up top above their ears. Um, but, but because she's a local success story, I love that aspect of this thing. A lot of people promise you stuff when it comes to restoring your hair, but Dr. Tanya Pauls has unmatched results. So it doesn't matter receding hairline, that bald spot, thinning hair. You can do the comb over thing. You can wear hats. You can use, I've even seen dudes use the spray stuff. Best thing to do is to call up Dr. Tanya Pauls at 720-459-HAIR, H-A-I-R, the stuff on your head, not the rabbit, 720-459-HAIR. Simple one-day treatment. They use your own hair, relaxed environment, most experienced folks in the market, and here's the deal. You call today, you get $250 off and, and 250 free hair grafts. You just can't ask for more than that, especially when the result is, the next day, your hair starts growing. Your hair, the next day. You look in the mirror. You see the younger you. You know that's inside. It gives you all that confidence. There's no reason not to call and have the conversation at 720-459-HAIR. When we come back, your calls, your text. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. It's always awkward and pleasing to hear Kelly announce that I'm hot. 303-696-1971, the number. My thanks to David Williams for taking so much time out of a busy morning as the guy that's running the state GOP uh, as the chair, as well as running in a, looks like a vigorously contested primary for the 5th Congressional District. That's the seat being vacated by Doug Lamborn after 18, I think, years in office. There's just a lot of questions, uh, and we spent a lot of time doing this. And, and I got to say, I respect the hell out of Dave for coming on and answering the questions. He never says no. He never dodges. I mean, he'll answer the questions. The, the, the real question for you is how do you view those answers? 303-696-1971. Do they make any difference to you? Does it matter what the state party does anymore? And we're talking about an environment where Colorado is very close to half of all voters having rejected being part of either the Democrat or the Republican Party. Republicans used to be number one, then two, and now three in the state of Colorado behind unaffiliateds and Democrats, although the Democrats really aren't doing a ton better. And you can guess as to what the political leanings of the unaffiliated are, but you can't really know. I mean, some, some people are unaffiliated because the Republican Party isn't right enough or the Democrat Party isn't left enough. Just hard to know. I would have said 20 years ago that unaffiliated tended to break our way, uh, lean to the right. I don't believe that at all anymore. I, I think they tend to lean left and break to the left. But it says something that they don't feel comfortable joining a party. I also think it's generational. And that's why I asked the question about the recruiting efforts, not just for candidates, but also for voter registration, because my guess is none of my kids register as Republicans. Now, they're not going to register as Dems either. But my guess is there is a lot of momentum for I want to be a free agent. I don't want to wear a jersey. Um, I don't want to be committed to a party that would do X or support Y and all that other stuff. So that's why I asked those questions of Dave. Now, a lot of you pointed out in the text, I have Dave on every single month, and every single month I ask him about fundraising numbers, and to date, not a single time has he ever had the exact dollar amount. 
I imagine that's a moving target. I imagine he wants to be accurate on that. But I agree with you that not being able to say, as of this date in time, we had this much, is troubling. Because that is a known number. But he did commit to the idea, the fact, if you will, that we exited 2023 with $600,000-ish cash on hand. Now, that's an easily provable or disprovable fact. I, I don't go out there and look at the bank statements and all that, but my guess is they're available. One thing, I checked out the, the website. I didn't see a link to the to the bylaws. If they're there, I'm just too stupid to have found them, but I couldn't find the bylaws on there. Um, found the bios of the uh, state party leadership, but I did not find the bylaws. Uh, having said that, the questions that I thought were very interesting were the ones about the party not being agnostic anymore in the presidential primary. And I thought it would be fair, although I can't see them doing it, but I thought it would be fair for a candidate who thought they were jumping into a neutral race because that's the presumption, right? Like you presume, at least in Colorado, you used to presume neutrality. I think in the future, the way that the the rules have been interpreted, if you're a presidential candidate, and let's say it's four years from now, and whoever that state party chair is says, hey, we'd like to exact some money from you to appear on our primary ballot as a mechanism for fundraising, I think you can rightfully say, is there a chance you're going to show up and endorse another candidate who also paid? And and I, <laughs> I appreciate the phraseology Dave used, but when he said if they thought they were buying neutrality, I don't think they thought they had to buy neutrality. I think they just expected it would be a neutral environment because that's what I would expect. I mean, this was unusual. It was historic. I don't remember us ever doing this before. I don't know. 303-696-1971. Here's some of the uh, the texts that have come in. Does he feel that the party is getting stronger? He's driving the party into the dirt. I don't think that Dave's driving the party into the dirt. I, I question some of the decisions, but I don't think that's true. Here's one. Uh, Dave doesn't have a vote, a voter registration strategy. Um, people think the party is a mess. I don't think everybody thinks the party's a mess. Uh, Canada, potentially between Ken recruitment and fundraising for campaign party. Someone chimed in on the Ken Buck being state party chair and running unopposed for re-election, uh, they said Ken didn't use state resources. Now, that's something I didn't ask Dave about a second time because we'd already gone down that road. But, but folks, at the time Dave made his announcement for CD5, he, and he made this clear in the interview, there was no vote of the state central committee or executive committee or really it sounds like input from any other human being Dave made the decision to announce to the party that he was going to do this. I think you have to do that as the state party chair, whether it's you or some other executive member, right? Like if the state, if the treasurer for the party was going to run for office, I think you make that announcement so that you let people know. But it's weird when you also attach your fundraising email and the website where you will accept donations. I think that turns it into a campaign moment. And now that I say it out loud, I begin to wonder if there isn't some sort of a campaign finance violation there in using that. I don't know what value it has to access the uh, access the state GOP email database, but that's got to be worth something. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, the campaign finance thing, even though I've 
been an adherent to it for multiple election cycles. Does anybody truly understand how it works? I don't, but that's an interesting thing. Hey, George. I also find it. Yes, sir. Breaking news. Former yeah. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson formally suspended his presidential campaign. That Kelly, uh, and I know that you're busy working the boards. Dave Williams told us that. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> but Asa Hutchinson, buddy, that's that's like that's like me announcing I've suspended my presidential campaign. People would be like, "Were you running?" Like, I think that's how they feel about Asa Hutchinson, who was a great governor for Arkansas. But come on, I mean, Huckabee was the last bestest shot that Arkansas had about putting someone in the White House after Bill Clinton. I think we're all skeptical now of presidential candidates of any party coming out of Arkansas, which is a lovely state. I love going to Arkansas. I've been there multiple times. I could live in Arkansas. I could live in South Dakota and Texas and some other place, too. But uh, having said that, um, there is a, there's a lot going on. Another thing uh, that's taking place here is with these. Uh, let me see. Here's another text. LMAO. Kelly, what is LMAO? I'm kidding. La- just... <laughs> La- laugh mouth. It's laugh mouth. Says um, they're questioning whether Trump laid it out on the line. Says he wouldn't let Trump. This is a D will. Wouldn't leave Trump alone with his daughter. Sounds like he just didn't want to be left out. I think that's the other thing. I've seen several texts. I can't read them all. Where folks are questioning whether or not this was an effort by. Dave and the state party to curry favor with Trump such that Trump would come out and actually endorse Dave Williams in the primary. So people put that in the texts. I don't know that that's true. But then also someone said, ask Dave about why he was um, let go from the Trump campaign back in whatever it was, 2016 or 20. I can't remember when it was. I, I didn't think that was fair either. There's something to it. And I think we talked about it briefly, which was, he had used his title as official surrogate for Trump to campaign for Justin Everett, who was running in a contested primary. And I've known Justin for a long time. He's a super conservative as well, but uh, he ended up losing that. Somebody texted in $600,000 in the bank is nada compared to the libs. You know what? That's a question I should have asked, too. You should also know what your opponent has in the bank. I wonder. I'd I'd be interested to know also. Yeah, that's a good how point. much how much money the Dems have. Like if we've raised six hundred grand and they have three million, we're in real trouble. You know, especially in this state, we need to be out earning. Then uh, someone else texted in. This is for Dave. I've heard according to Colorado party rules bylaws, the state party chair cannot endorse a Republican candidate. I don't know if that's true anymore, but I'll read the rest. If you are running, by definition, you are endorsing your own candidacy. It would seem you either have to resign as party chair or withdraw from the congressional race thoughts. That's intriguing. I didn't know if that was uh, true or not. It sounds like Dave says there's been changes to the bylaw that I presume allow the leadership, but allow the party to weigh in in favor of candidates who access the ballot through the assembly but not those who, and against those who petition on. That's interesting. Uh, and the way he described it, too, it sounds like if two people went through the assembly, the party couldn't come out and weigh in against someone else who made the ballot for the assembly, even if they didn't win the assembly. Because there's this hybrid method, and, and folks, just as a recap, 
if you want to get on the ballot for the Republicans or the Dems, you go through the assembly. You have to get 30 percent of the vote from the assembly goers unless you've also petitioned on the ballot. Then you only have to get 10 percent of the vote to qualify for the ballot. So there are some candidates who do both. They petition and they go through the assembly. And you find that a lot, especially when there's more than two people in a, a contested race where they're going to the assembly because you got three people in a race getting 30 percent becomes a little more of a risk you get four people in a race now you're into something and i'll give you an example when i ran for district attorney i jumped into the race pretty late because i'd been in a place called iraq and when i jumped in in 2011 all four candidates ended up going through the assembly and we were right there at regis jesuit high school right there at about parker road and arapaho road on this one saturday and I ended up taking nearly 50% of the vote, which meant that nobody else got 30% of the vote. One guy, and none of them had petitioned at the time. The calendar allowed them to later, and one of them did. But one candidate got below 10%. That means even had they petitioned, you can't be on the ballot. One of them got in the teens, and one of them got in the 20s. Well, the one that got in the 20s ended up petitioning on, forcing a primary, and I ultimately won that as well. But my point in telling you that is the calendar has shifted enough that you see candidates now petitioning on in advance of the assembly so that they can lower the bar for the threshold they need to obtain by going to the assembly so that they can more guarantee their spot on the ballot. The risk is, I suppose, if you petition on and somehow you face plant at the assembly and get less than 10%. By the way, if that happens, that's a sign either of the assembly has really shifted away from what you thought it was or or you uh, you just shouldn't be on the ballot no matter how many petition signatures you get. It's hard to know what that is. 303-696-1971 is the number. I want to cut away for a break. And now before I talk to you about the most important teeth, and those are your teeth, Twin Aspen Dental Center are our good friends, Doctors Richter and Snyder. They've been doing this for so long, right down there at Parker Road and Stroh Ranch Road. Easy to get to from any direction. And I know that because they have clients from all over. In fact, texters text me when I do reads for Drs. Richter and Snyder, who were just in studio, by the way, last week, and uh, and say, oh my gosh, my wife goes, or I go, and it's always a positive experience. So here's the deal I want to make to you, and I can talk to you about all the great stuff they do and the technology and the personnel, blah, 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 blah. Let me just make this challenge to you, this offer. You have a dentist. Now, if it's like a neighborhood dentist and it's someone that you've just developed a relationship with over the years, I get it. This may not be for you, but if you're someone who's like, yeah, I don't really feel like I have a commitment to them other than they always book me six months in advance and it sits in the calendar and I just go to the same place and the dentist change out and the hygienist change out. And it's not, if you're looking for that community based consistency, Twin Aspen Dental Center is the place to go. They're like your neighborhood dentist, like when you were growing up. So take a knee from your current operation, set a schedule with them. Just go in for an appointment. Uh, cleaning, routine cleaning, 303-841-7466. I know they take TRICARE because I have TRICARE. TwinAspenDentalCenter.com, TwinAspenDentalCenter, four words all put together, .com. Check them out. My guess is you go visit them once, you're just going to keep coming back. That's what I did. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Your calls, your text, George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brockler, right back with you here. Final moments of the show. I, 
I just have enough time to tell you about our friends who are at Ultra Botanica. You don't know them by that name. You know their product is called UltraCur. That's the product that Billy and I had taken for, gosh, weeks and noticed an uptick in our health. By the way, that sound that you hear, yeah, I might, I might have made bacon during the radio show. Okay, don't judge me. It's bacon. Uh, Ultra Cur doesn't have any bacon products in it. It's all curcumin-based, but it's got this patented formula, all natural stuff. Check out GetUltraNow.com. GetUltraNow.com. You can see all the research. The folks, 50% of the folks that use it experience relief within 48 hours, half that group within two. I mean, come on, man. The, the, uh, it's an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, all pro-health stuff. These folks also will give you a three-day free sample. All you have to do is show up at your natural grocers, see the vitamin manager, and you have to see the vitamin manager. Ask for your free day, your three-day free sample. They give it to you. Ask for one more. They'll give you one more. Check it out, and when you're hooked, you go back there and you get the rest of it. That's our friends at GetUltraNow.com. Hey, my thanks to everybody who was on the show today, D. Will, Josh Scharf, you guys in particular. You made the show worthwhile. We'll be back tomorrow. God knows what will happen. Maybe Asa Hutchinson will drop out. Oh, no, he already did. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com